Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to our June series, Leading Ladies on the In Awe Podcast. Our guiding quote for this month comes from Beyonce. We need to reshape our own perception of how we view ourselves. We have to step up as women and take the lead. Each woman in this series shows us the unique ways to embody this quote, and today's guest knows what it means to reshape perceptions as well as take that lead. Lacey Warren is a wife, mom, a high school principal, doctoral student, and runner. She has been a principal for six years, mostly at the high school level, but she did spend a year partying with preschoolers. Lacey enjoys being outdoors, playing golf, watching the Chiefs, Royals, and KU basketball. In her free time, well, she doesn't really have much of that, but she enjoys prioritizing hanging out with friends and family. In this episode, we discuss Lacey's experience leading in schools as a principal, the challenges of being a principal during the pandemic, as well as switching jobs during it, and her insights into meeting the challenges of leading and balancing life with a spouse and small children. She shares about her journey into title leadership and her focus for her doctoral studies, and we get to learn about her focus on self-awareness and the power it has had in helping her come through personal and professional challenges. I love this conversation with my incredible friend, and I know you are going to appreciate her candor, vulnerability, and the insights that she will provide. Throughout this conversation, I marveled at what a person can lead through in a year in the beauty and Lacey's story, as well as how she will no doubt use her personal experiences and her studies to impact in ways I bet she would never even ask or imagine right now. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. What an honor to share with you Lacey Warren's leading lady story. Welcome, one of my favorite people on the planet to the In Awe podcast, Lacey Warren. Welcome, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This is a true honor. I just, I can't stop smiling because I have been wanting to have you on this podcast forever, you know, since the start of it, since I conceptualized this thing. So, I mean, it's only been a few years, but I feel like we're going to be in the exact right time together in this conversation. So thank you for joining. All right, my friend. So here's what we got to do. We have to hear about you a little bit um, and what you're up to in the current context of your beautiful world. What you got going on? Um, well, currently I am a high school principal in Atchison, Kansas. This is my fifth year um, as a head principal. Um, I have two beautiful daughters, uh, three and seven, Addison and Quinn, um, and married to my husband of just now 12 years. Uh, we celebrated last weekend. Um, and, you know, we are just kind of living life uh, in the craziness of it all with um, COVID. I'm finishing and working on my dissertation and my husband is currently working on finishing his master's. Um, so, you know, just uh, the craziness of life where we try to still fit in time to, to have some fun with each other and play golf and enjoy our, our family. Just a few things going on. And I cannot believe how old the girls are now. <laughs> I, know, I know. You remember when Quinn was born. <laughs> I do. And I think she was born probably around the time that this podcast was starting. So it makes a lot of sense to be thinking about why we couldn't organize your life. Because not only that, okay, that's where you're currently at. And you've been a head principal for five years, but do you just want to share with us a little bit about your journey? I mean, I'll read it in the bio, but five years, you have not been in the same spot for that time. 
Exactly. Um, so my life is a little crazy um, about how this this current position came about. But um, I started out as a principal, uh, secondary principal, a 712 building in a small rural district um, outside of Warrensburg, Missouri. Um, and you know, we I met up with the wise women um, my second year. I just really needed that connection of other women secondary principals and found you all. Thank goodness. Um, and during that year, you guys got me through a ton. I was pregnant. Um, and then my husband decided to change jobs and move us back to Atchison, Kansas, where I started my teaching career. Um, but in that process, you know, I had a six week old baby and no job. And I was a principal and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And a principal job came open in Topeka, Kansas, which is about an hour from where we live currently. Um, and it was a preschool. Um, I would be opening a preschool and running a preschool for the Topeka Public Schools. And I, oh goodness gracious, that was the craziest, <laughs> I want to say craziest year of my life until this year. <laughs> um, but just commuting back and forth um, with an infant and um, at the time a four-year-old and opening a building. If you guys have never opened a school building, that is one of the most difficult things ever. Um, and learning how to go from a high school principal to, um, you know, three and four and five-year-olds, uh, it was just kind of mind blown. Although I have learned that kids are the same at no matter what age they are. Um, from there, you know, I went back to a high school principal. Um, I was only there a year. I loved the district. However, that commute with with small girls was just, just wearing on me. And so, um, I went to um, a school about 20 miles from our home and um, definitely uh, was a much better fit for me. Um, and I really thought I was going to be there for, you know, several years. I loved the district, um, Pleasant Ridge, um, loved my coworkers, loved the school and what we were doing. Um, and then, you know, COVID hit, uh, life kind of happened, had some, some rocky stuff with our marriage, I'm going to be honest. And really, uh, this job at Atchison High came open and I was like, you know, I really want to be in the same district that my girls are in, in the same town. And, um, you know, I reached out to a couple of people. I didn't know the superintendent very well. Um, and they kind of got back and they were like, hey, I think you should apply. And so um, in the midst of COVID, when everything was shut down, I applied for this current job and um, just wasn't really sure, you know, if it was kind of what I wanted to do. I've heard this is one of the uh, hardest buildings in the state of Kansas, just with our demographics and stuff. Um, and I don't I was like, I don't know if I can bite that off with COVID and, um, you know, finishing my doctorate. Um, and taking on a new building and, and the challenges of that. And so, um, you know, I, I made that leap and um, I'm going to be honest, it was a fantastic choice. I, I love the people that um, are on our administrative team, super supportive superintendent. Um, so uh, we we got through COVID and <laughs> here we are. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you shared that whole journey. And I feel like the listeners probably have a little bit of whiplash just going, wait, what? That's, okay, so we're here. Now, here's what I love about your story and how I just know that it's all going to be used because I think about how we become, um, you know, kind of qualified for whatever is in our future based on what we experience, you know, in the day to day. And you mentioned that you are working on your dissertation. So that's a whole conversation we need to have. But when I think about it, it's like you are a case study, Lacey, for a concentration in women in leadership and the various challenges that we face. And of course, it's different for everybody, but there are some really common pillars that are we all experience. And one of the things that I want to mention before we get 
too deeper in is that I specifically have you featured here on this Leading Ladies series because I have always seen in you um, an exceptional spirit to to take the lead, right? To harness it and, you know, not allow those obstacles to bury you or hold you back in your career and also a drive and a determination and a desire to be a whole person as a mom and a wife and a friend. Um, you know, and I just, I feel like I needed to say that you are your own case study. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I mean, truly, if you think, if you just think about that for a moment, let's peel it apart, right? Like you had a small, uh, you have, you experience where you're, um, to income earner family, the spouse decides or makes a change um, in a shift in career and which shifts you all geographically. And you have this brand new baby and a toddler by all means, right? Preschooler. And then it would be easy to say, okay, in this case, I, you know what, I'm going to step back from my career. And that is what, you know, I mean, I don't have to tell you the research says that's what happens, right? Yep, yep definitely. It absolutely does. And for a good range of reasons. There's nothing, there's nothing condemning that, right? Like in our society to have an anchor parent is a very powerful thing when we're caregiving and care growing our children, but it right. often falls to the female to step away from their career trajectory, but you didn't allow that to happen. And in fact, I was laughing because you're like, you went from the secondary level to the primary learning levels and that would have been hard enough, but no, you're just going to open a building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and when I walked in, I just have to share this. When I walked in the first day to my office, it was like, it was still getting remodeled. And I was like, oh no, what have I gotten myself into? But it ended up being the most beautiful building ever. And I just remember sitting in a folding chair and like a card table um, the first day, no computer, like what do I do? How do I do this job? <laughs> oh my goodness. I am chuckling because I remember those days for you too. Um, and just being able to live them a slice of them vicariously through you and realizing how different life is now. Yes. Fantastic. So, you know, the other thing that you were so vulnerable and willing to mention is, well, a couple of things, you know, talked about relocating and um, choosing to journey back into another position. And then you mentioned, okay, and then there were some marital challenges. And it's interesting because I know you and I are both geeky about this, but I would love to see actually the data on uh, divorce rates in <laughs> for secondary leaders, for all leaders, but then specifically for women in educational leadership because, or any position of leadership, because inherent are some of those challenges because we have socially normed expectations uh, for spouses. And even these like underlying issues that we see that, uh, you know, can break apart families. And you just shared that you, you know, you battled through that too. So I don't want to move on without saying, wow, Lacey, you are just such a powerful example of how to keep doing this. Well, thank you. I mean, obviously it takes um, a ton of work, a ton of prayer, a ton of, uh, of friends that help kind of get you through that time, you know, and really just looking at what, what, what's going to be best, you know? And I mean, I can, I, I feel like I'm comfortable enough and vulnerable enough to be able to, thank you, Brene Brown, um, <laughs> to share that vulnerability piece. But I think that's how part of our journey of where we get to where we are. You know, um, last year COVID hit, um, my husband and I had separated for a little bit. Um, and you know, it, it we, we've came back and have made it much stronger through therapy with each other, therapy on our own. Um, and I would say like our marriage is probably 
probably stronger than it has been. And we definitely have needed that with this journey that we are on. You know, it's not perfect, um, but I the support that, you know, once we realized kind of what we each needed out of our professions, because we're both very career driven people um, and what we needed from each other just to make it work and what we needed to do for our girls. um, We were really able to kind of set those boundaries and expectations and just have much better communication than we have probably ever had in those 12 years, um, which has really helped us grow, you know, closer together. Um, so, you know, I know that's, that's a lot and I'm sure people are going to hear this and be like, Whoa, I didn't know that about her. But, you know, I think that's part of the journey of what makes you stronger as a person and an individual, um, and gets you to, to where you are and helps me probably be, um, a stronger leader in general. But I would also like to look at that divorce rate as well, because, you know, we have several friends, right. That, that we have seen, um, even, even guys, you know, that that secondary level, that, that the time is just so demanding, um, you know, with all the different activities and just the commitments of trying to turn buildings around, um, that, that spouses, if you don't understand education, it can be really difficult. Yeah. Well, yes, without question. And I think too, and I'm glad that you said that because that is not a gender exclusive issue. Um, you know, there's all different societal normed expectations for those roles and we can overcome them. And I love how you said that through the hard work um, that you both were able to tease out the fact that you're, you know, career driven and to come to communication lines on that and how that will impact your family, your children, uh, but not to have to step back from that, you know, is, is really powerful. And it and it means that, you know, the other piece of it too, is we don't, (laughs) we're not experts, neither one of us, right? But we know that if, if um, people aren't willing to talk about their stuff, then it just continues to fester. And I know for me, this is, uh, you know, I share this all the time when I'm doing my balance workshops, the challenge that my own husband and I had. And a huge part of that was, um, you know, sometimes as a woman in leadership, you feel like you're alone and you feel like you're doing all the things as the mom, as the spouse, as the principal, as all these things. And until you're willing to reach out to a circle uh, for help and until you're willing to kind of release some of those expectations on yourself and speak, you know, plainly about what you need, those cracks can just become um, larger in the foundation of any relationship, honestly. Right, right. I mean, because that could, I mean, like you said, any relationship, you know, over the years, I mean, I've, I wouldn't say lost friends over it too, but just the time commitments, you know, unless you make those intentional times um, to really, to really keep those relationships going, you, you start to, to fade away from people, you know? And so um, it's, people say it all the time, it's lonely at the top. And I think that, um, you know, there's just, we have similar struggles, you know, you and I, and we've talked about that, but, um, I, I would agree. I love to, um, when you talk about like losing friends, but they don't want to sit there and talk about, um, you know, uh, finding vapes in the bathroom and, and how you, <laughs> right. Like the, what they don't say in the corporate world kind of conversations that, I think it's such a powerful (laughs) testament to um, anybody listening that doesn't have a professional learning network of people who are in um, similar roles with similar challenges. I mean, we want to have people outside of our paradigm to help us think and grow, but there's nothing like having a community of people that can come together and understand these issues and help you through them, right? 
Exactly. Exactly. It's fun to bounce ideas and also bounce funny stories. <laughs> yeah, I think we've had a few over the years. I love it. I love that so much. And um, and I wanted to say one more thing that I just really appreciate you, Lacey, for sharing this story because there's another piece that you have mentioned a few times that we keep kind of breezing past in some of these deeper conversations is leading a building, um, a school building through COVID. And I'd love to hear you just share some of those experiences if you'd like. I mean, you said you were in lockdown, you actually switched jobs during it, right? From the 2020 to the 2021 year or the 2019, 2020 to 2020, 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did, which, you know, if, if I, if I had to do it again, I would, because I know I'm in the right place of where I'm supposed to be. Um, but man, I don't really recommend it. <laughs> what were some of those early challenges? I know we're a year past it, but, um, what were some of those things? Oh my goodness. Um, so, you know, I'm the type of person that I, I have a ton of energy and I'm, I get excited at the beginning of the year because I have all these ideas of what we can do and how we can move our, our building. And, um, you know, I kind of have this little, I mean, I've started a, a new job, what, three times now, <laughs> four times. And so I have like this, this building team building activities that really help the staff get to know me. I get to know them and we bond. And so it was really difficult this year <clears throat> because I stepped into this role, you know, July one, and all we did was COVID planning. All we did was, you know, how are we going to open our building? How are we going to make sure students are safe? How are we going to make sure teachers are safe? You know, what is going to be our protocol for, you know, just lunch, hallways, class switching, um, you know, sports, what, you know, there's so many what ifs and things that we just didn't know that we just had to dive into with our time. And, you know, I am so glad we did that and so glad we prepared for that because we kept our building open all year long. We never had to shut down. We got to play sports. But what I missed at the beginning of the year was just that time to really get to know my staff. I mean, I did individual meetings with every single one of my teachers before the school started, but it's not the same. You know, I got to know them. They got to know me. But like those team building activities that you can really go out and do um, and, you know, just those hands on and let people have fun and just bring that community together. We were really missing that. And so, you know. My staff was used to having a teacher's lounge and being able to sit at lunch and eat together um, in the past or, you know, just different things that they that we just didn't get. And, you know, we didn't have actual in-person faculty meetings. Um, we didn't have our PLC times because there was so much planning for remote and planning for um, our on-site learners. And how do we make this um, how do we make this work? You know, so they were super stressed. I didn't want to put anything extra on their plate because we just there were so many unknowns. Um, that it really, I think, kind of hurt a little bit of, of that culture positivity that I'm used to having. Um, and so that, that was probably one of the biggest challenges for me was how do I build these relationships and these solid relationships with my team to show them who we are and who I am and the direction that I want to take this building. Um, so that, that was a challenge. And I, I mean, my building needs a turnaround. I mean, and I would say my staff knows that. And I did make some people mad one day when we actually did have a have a staff meeting. And I said, listen, this is the direction we're going. You either get on the bus or you get off. 
there's other jobs out there, you know, and, and, and I've got the people I'm getting the right people on the bus. And I'm so excited of where we're going now. But that is a challenging thing to do. And I know, um, as any leader faces and I, and I, and I, to say, um, I know it's a big challenge for leaders who are continuously wanting to move that needle forward. When you say it's, it has to be turned around, um, I'm sure that there's a lot layered in that, but the continuous question that I had as I was coaching leaders throughout this year, or just even listening and having this connection that we all have is at what point do you, um, you know, build in that empathy for this collective grief and these challenges and these mental health issues that we're all having through this pandemic to keep pushing forward for kids, right? Those best practices. Right. And so that, that was the fine line and the challenge, you know, and I, I mean, I'm the type, I send out a weekly, you know, a weekly memo to my staff and I always have professional development. But one of the things that I added in was a weekly check-in, like a mental health check-in. So I asked them the same three questions. And then the last question each week would change, you know, like what, but one of the questions was always, what can I do for you? Like, what do you need from me? Um, And so I find, or I found myself giving more of myself than I've probably ever given this year. And I don't know if people saw that. And I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm, like I said, I've been pretty vulnerable, but I, I mean, I wore myself down. Um, the last two months of school, I was just drained, you know, just mentally and physically drained. Um, because I gave too much of myself, you know, um, but my staff needed that at the same time. And so then it comes into the, where's the balance of giving myself to my kids, giving myself, you know, giving my husband the attention he also needs, you know, whether that's hanging out or just watching TV together or golfing. And then what about myself, you know, so I've kind of, um, really had to, to kind of take a step back and say, you know, this was too much, but looking for that empathy piece of, we can still have high expectations expectations in a pandemic. We can still do these things. Yes, it's challenging. Yes, kids are apathetic at the moment, but you know, give me a little bit more. So I was giving a little more of myself in hopes that because I try to lead by example, but can you give a little bit more? You know, and there were some days that some teachers did and there were some days that they didn't. And that's okay because there were some days I couldn't, you know, um, and just just knowing and understanding that um, you know, was, was really important for me. There were days that I was so frustrated, like, oh my gosh, come on. Just like, you can, you can do this. You can have that high expectation or you can, you know, um, make that, you know, that, uh, a little accommodation for this kid. Cause that's, what's best for them, you know, and, 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 understanding that, um, it's, it's a give and take and it's a really hard balance. And it was really a teeter totter line to walk. Um, but in the end, unfortunately we're still held accountable by the state, you know, and so I'm still going to hold, hold you guys accountable and we still have to hold those students accountable. And by the end, I think, I think the staff and the students really see that direction that we are going to really push forward next year and have that high expectation of, okay, you know, this is where we are. Let's meet kids where they are and let's move them now. I just love listening to you. It it fires me up and makes me want to join the the charge, you know, like, uh, you know, the work that you do is so purposed and, um, and any educator that is serving in schools right now is, um, an app. So I don't want to overstate it, but a hero to me, because I know how challenging that job is during any circumstance and during cultural shifts and all of these things. But, you know, I don't want to ever diminish what it's been like to 
to teach and to lead in the school system in this last year. And, you know, because it's not just the, you know, when we say the pandemic, it's like this word, right? But there's so many different meanings to that. We've been dealing with social unrest in our country, Um, you know, just access and equity have been just on full display. And it's not just the news, though. That's like something we're experiencing every day in our school systems. And um, when you talk about mental health check-ins, you know, every sing- I, I, every time I have a conversation on this podcast this year, people are willing to share their own personal grinds like you just shared. Um, you know, burnout being a major concern in our profession for a long time, but certainly amplified through all of this extra giving of ourselves <laughs> that you mentioned. I just want to just like celebrate you um, and celebrate everybody that's been living and leading and learning through all of it. But for you to sit here and say too, like we can do these things and have high expectations is so critical, right? Right. Um, And I think that that, you know, a lot of people just use that excuse of, well, they've been out of school or this. And I'm like, yes, but they need us. You know, they this is this is what they need from us. I mean, we have seen so many social emotional issues, you know, and I'm 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 true. I really think that their basic needs need to be met. They, you know, they need someone to talk to and someone to care about. Um, We were just overwhelmed, my counselors, myself, my assistants, just with the mental health challenges this year. Um, And so, you know, we can take care of that aspect if teachers, you know, and get them to that level. And then teachers, we need you to really raise that bar for them, but also kind of be that that support and understanding in there. It's like I said, it's such a hard balance to find, you know, teachers and educators have really had to take that role on of not just being a content teacher, but understanding those social emotional issues that kids are having. And how then do we change and reshape that curriculum to meet the kids' needs, to get them to those high levels, but still making sure that they're okay. If I had all the answers, I'd be rich, but. (laughs) Well, right. And you know, the best part is knowing that and knowing who you are as a leader and what you mean by having high expectations doesn't mean more work, doesn't mean um, open up to chapter six. It actually means, like you said, we're going to meet the kids where they're at and keep them growing. Like that is the key. And in traditional schooling models, that's not what we've been doing for our students for a very long time, especially at the secondary level. Right, right. It's more, more work means more rigor. And that's not exactly what that means. (laughs) Right. Oh, and I love it too, because, you know, I would assume, and so I don't want to put words in your mouth. Did your time at those primary learning levels help inform the way you look at uh, learning and instruction at the secondary level? Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, I, To say that was one of my favorite years, even though it was so trying and difficult, um, would be an understatement. You know, I I learned so much more about education. You know, I'm not sure where I'm going to be in five years. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I think maybe eventually I want to be a superintendent, um, you know, or maybe I want to help other leaders become great leaders. I'm not sure where where my path is going, but. I think that those that year I learned just so much about fundamentals. I was an elementary background. So like how I got to the secondary level, I don't even know. <laughs> I was a major in elementary, a student taught elementary, you know. And so but understanding just like what is um oh uh, specific, like age specific or age appropriate learning. That's exactly what I wanted to say. Sorry. Age appropriate learning for kids, um, is, is so crucial 
at that age and making sure that kids have, you know, I mean, I pushed my daughter and I wanted her to be pushed. You know, she was reading at an early age. But then at some point I realized she was lacking some social issues, social skills. She's the youngest in her class, you know. And so, yes, she's really able to do the work. But like socially, she wasn't there. And I was like, is this age appropriate for her? Like, and so learning that and her teacher really talking me through that. So she was in, you know, in the building with me and her teacher was so great. Like, this is age appropriate behavior. This is, you know, and so it really helped me learn and understand that. But also I was able to really see those foundational skills and where some of our kids maybe didn't get those as they get older and get to that secondary level. Like, what are we missing? And so um, for a while, I was so into just early childhood and how do we get early childhood education for all students? Because we, unfortunately, that's not a thing here. We don't all, not every kid gets to go to preschool before they start kindergarten. And not, you know, not every family gets to have an amazing daycare um, that my girls got or get now um, that help teach those skills and teach those social skills and give them those foundational skills that they really need to be able to be successful as they grow. And so that is a huge actual second passion of mine, aside from women in secondary education and in leadership is, is that, um, that primary piece of, you know, um, uh, essentially, you know, early childhood education for all. I think that that um, is just so monumental for kids to be successful and breaking down those barriers of, you know, those maybe those parents that don't know that their kids need that or don't have the means to get them in a preschool. Um, So how can we as a society really kind of get that going? I can hear the passion in your voice too. And it really cracks me up because Lacey, we've known each other for years and it slipped through my consciousness that you were not a secondary teacher. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> that is nuts. No, I um, I actually taught, I started at the middle school level, I, upper, I did fifth grade for student teaching, and then I taught sixth grade science and social studies. Um, and then I went and got my content in science, because I was a pre-med major for a few years. I never wanted to be a teacher. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I had the science background, and so that's kind of where and what led me. But my coaching, um, you know, I was a college basketball player, and I coached, um, you know, high school basketball. And so that's really kind of what, I'm more of a, a high school person because of that, I think. That's so funny. I love it. And I knew that about you. And I know, um, you know, obviously, and certainly in school leadership, you can't be you can't have taught at every level that you're leading. And especially when you think about rural schools, too. Um, You know, I was a high school teacher, and my very first principal job was an elementary principal position. And I just found that to be such an interesting learning curve and powerful to inform my understanding of good pedagogical practice for students at all levels. Because one of the things you said at the beginning was kids, no matter what their age, that <laughs> you know, they, there's similarities there. Um, and so I love your range of background and, and how that could inform whatever it is that your path is ultimately going to lead you to. Um, we need to shift really quickly to your dissertation because, oh, I mean, you know, you're also, you know, you're leading a school during pandemic, but you are focused on achieving a pretty important goal with a terminal degree as in your PhD. You've already got your EDS, don't you? I do have my EDS. And so mine's actually not a PhD program. It's an EDD program. Um, so Which is the same. <laughs> Listeners, let's make sure. I'm sorry I said PhD, but your doctoral, yes. Doctoral program, yes, yes. 
It's a terminal degree. It's the same thing. So I want to hear from you. Not everybody chooses to do that. This is a way that you're leading again. And let's just hear about what prompted you to do that. Oh, goodness. Um, COVID. <laughs> um, so I went, okay, so when we, um, when we moved, and I had Quinn, you know, I was finishing up my EDS at the time, and I had a wonderful cohort. And the initial plan was the cohort, we would just go through the whole program and finish our EDD together. Um, but you know, life happened, and we moved. So the last, well, the first, um, Oh, probably four months that we lived here, I had to commute back to Warrensburg twice. And then my professor was super nice to let me do it virtually um, for the end and finished my, finished up my EDS. And so I've always like, I'm like, oh, I just want to finish this. I just want to get it done. Um, and then, you know, obviously job changes and I couldn't find a program that really was going to accept all of my credits. Right. And I was going to have to retake stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to waste the money. Um, and then COVID hit <laughs> and, um, I just happened to get online and look and, uh, the, the school that I was going through for my EDS was offering an online portion for the EDD. And all I had to do was finish, you know, um, essentially a year of classes. Um, and then I, I take comps uh, in 1st of July, and then I'll be able to, to really start writing that, that dissertation. So that's kind of what prompted it. Um, and I just... Like I said, I wanted to, I was a pre-med major, so I've always wanted to be a doctor. I just didn't know it was this kind of doctor. <laughs> oh, I love it. And so I think it's awesome and it's fantastic that you know, I think we could actually have a whole other conversation and like do it. But I just remember at that um, pivotal spot where you're at trying to decide, one of the things you and I were talking about on the side was your Enneagram number. And you're a three, aren't you? <laughs> oh my goodness. I am a three. <laughs> It it really, really is. And there are times that I have to like think, um, what what am I like, why am I doing this? And I'm like, oh, it's my personality. That's why. But what I love about it um is that you you've been able to use that kind of self-knowledge and work on, you know, the key relationship in your life with your spouse, but you've also chosen to keep moving this piece forward. And I think I'm excited because some of the things that I love about threes is their just drive and passion. And when you couple that with a leader, a school leader, with the heart that you have, um, it's going to be such a powerful impact in our world, that research that you're doing. So I just want to pour that into you and help you remember um, that even though it feels like a slog and it's this hard work, when you're done with that, it's going to have a ripple effect that will matter for, for years and years to come. So thank you for following that guiding light inside of your heart to do it. Well, thank you. I mean, it's it's definitely a challenge. And um, over the last three weeks, I'm like, oh, do I what am I doing this again? But I'm just I'm so close and I can't stop now. Right. So I just got to trudge on and, and go. And I know when it's done, I will feel just so relieved and hopefully just a better, well-rounded leader because of it. Um, or And, you know, my dissertation is on women in secondary education. And so just being able to um, find that research and help hopefully get other women to, to, you know, 
understand that you can do this job even with the barriers that we face. Mm-hmm. So good. And also to open that up for others that are barriers that can maybe stop being them. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's it's tough to be a mom in general in any profession. You might as well, you know, if you enjoy what you do and you like to lead people, I say go for it. Yes. So good. Okay. One more thing I wanted to mention because we don't talk about the pandemic in a super positive light all the time. I love how that program shifted. It made, uh, you know, it shifted to meet the needs during the time. And I actually, that's the exact same thing that happened for my own world, for my own doctoral studies is the cohorts. They started online cohorts only in that pandemic year. So I get to benefit from that by being able to engage in a program that does that. And I feel like um, we have a lot to learn and our uh, systems K-12 all the way through. Um, And so I'm grateful for that, that the pandemic forced uh, more appropriate learning opportunities for those of us that need it. Exactly. I agree. And I, I mean, I think it's great for us as adults, but I also have seen it with kids. You know what I mean? We have opened up a door for a whole new level of learning for kids at all ages. I mean, we have kids that need some online learning or need or have or can do it, you know? And so I think that this has, if like you're saying in a positive light, yes, there were a lot of hards. Yes, it was really challenging, but I think we learned so much from what kids can do if we give them an opportunity to do it. Agreed. Absolutely agree. Okay. So with that, are you ready for those questions that I have at the end of every podcast that we get your... I think so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Lacey. So the the first one I have is if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? Um, It would probably be me in my teenage years. And the advice would be to speak up. Um, Don't hide your voice. You know, um, it took me years and years and years to be able to share um, with people just my past, you know, and I really think that it is super important um, for kids to know that, you know, no matter what has happened, share your voice and don't let anyone oppress you or, um, you know, all girls are mean girls in middle school and high school, right? I mean, unfortunately, that's the case. And so I dealt with that a lot and had some some major issues growing up. I mean, I had eating disorders um, and was, you know, I think mildly depressed. And I went to therapy for that. And, you know, just telling, telling my younger self that you are strong and you will get through this and don't let anyone, um, don't let anyone take that voice away from you. Such a powerful observation. And thank you for sharing some of that revelation as well. And the thing that I would say too, is thank you for letting me amplify your voice because it's a lifelong journey and it feels really powerful to be able to do that here on the podcast. Well, I appreciate it very much. Okay. Okay. How about this one? If listeners find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt and they need to hear your voice to help them rise up out of it, what could you say? Pray. (laughs) Um, You know, just just really pray and listen to your heart um, and what 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 direction is is he leading you, Um, you know, and you will overcome. You will always overcome. Nothing is too bad to overcome. Whatever is happening at that moment in that fear or doubt, give yourself the confidence. My one word this this year is confidence. I've not always been that or led up to that, but have the confidence that you can do hard things. 
and you will be better because of those hard things. Powerful advice. And I loved watching you lean into that space of faith in the challenging times in your own life. So thank you so much for sharing that. Okay. And then for this series, I am asking this question, though. I feel like we've covered a lot of this really great content, but let me try it anyway. Uh, What is one of the greatest lessons you have learned about being a woman in leadership that could offer others insight about the challenges and joys of being a leading lady? Find your network. Find people to support you. And it doesn't have to be other women in secondary education, although that has been very helpful. But find people that will support you and will be a sounding board for you, will be um, a shoulder to cry on, um, you know, and um, really be confident in yourself. I've not always been confident in myself. I have a lot of self-doubt. And every day, it's so important to kind of give yourself that pep talk of, hey, what's today? What what am I going to conquer today? And having that confidence that you are going to conquer those challenges, no matter how hard they are, um, to, to really to, to lead um, in whatever space you're leading in, you know, whether you're leading your household, or you're leading a building um, or a corporation, you know, um, really just have your network of people that are going to build you up and give you that confidence um, when you're lacking it yourself. Oh, I love that. And I also love how you said that no matter where you're leading, and I think that we don't want to ever brush over that. Like you are a leading lady with a titled role, but we also lead everywhere we are with or without titles. And so thank you for that piece of it. And um, just remember that we can't do this alone. <laughs> exactly. This is not something we can do alone. I mean, you can't do life alone, right? <laughs> exactly. All right, my friend. Well, what an awesome conversation. I know that you are a very busy person and I'm so grateful that we finally got to have this conversation. Would you do me a favor? And I know listeners often like to connect with guests after the show, so I will link it in the show notes, but can you tell them where it'd be the best to get in touch with you after? Um, Yeah. So Twitter, um, I think it's just lwarren30 on Twitter is my Twitter handle. Um, It's a great place where I just really keep my professional stuff. Um, And then I am on Boxer. Um, I really kind of only meet with, uh, you know, our wise women group, but if people want to connect, I really enjoy using that, um, a lot more. Um, so those are kind of just my professional spaces. Um, if they want to email me, it's just lacy.warren at, um, usd409.net. Perfect. I will be sure to link all of that so that listeners can reach out to you. Lacey, thank you so much. I hope that you have an awesome rest of your summer as you transition into whatever the you know school year looks like. And I'm just so grateful that you would spend time just inspiring us today and keep leading that way, lady. We are looking at you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.